Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Today, we're going to have a baby dedication. It's biblical in the Old Testament, and it's biblical in the New, and it is my responsibility to make sure you understand that. And the child that we are dedicating today is Broderick Mater. And I've come to the conclusion that when people get married, it's a blending of two families. You get another family. And so this is a blending of the Mater family and the Barningham family. And we greatly love and appreciate both of those families and, and Jeremy and Amanda, great young people. This is a good thing, a special event that we should rejoice in together as a family. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're excited about that today. My text is Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thou shalt say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore... If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Lo, I am come down unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe forever. And Moses told all these words to the people and unto the Lord. Mountains were believed to be the sacred dwelling place of gods. And so God would often speak to the people even from the mountains. And today I'm going to talk to you about, is my life rated PG? Is my life rated PG? God bless you. You may be seated. Can I have this green microphone, please, turned on? We just came back from a wonderful, well, not we, I wasn't there, ladies' retreat. <laughs> and so I thought we might hear a word this morning about the ladies' retreat from Sister Meyer. Not all of you know this, but I am, when I like something, I'm very excited about it. So the um, ladies' retreat was above and beyond what I even imagined. Sometimes I look at things, and I know I look at things differently, but... Um, you think sometimes the church isn't growing and things aren't happening and this culture is different and stuff like that. But the unity this year was extremely above and beyond what I ever expect, ever experienced it before. Um, the depth of the teaching, it was the first time that a man actually preached there, his wife and he preached. And it was a depth that was what we needed. It was a depth that he, he said something like, you know, the, the, our, the church was grounded and founded on, 
in the truth, and the, tr the church was the truth, but when we look away and we look to the world to see how we should be, that's when it changes. So what I, when I looked across one time, I just saw generations like the elders that used to be and the, the people that are now, and then the youth and, and the new people. There's so much new, new, new members and new um, positions that have been filled, and it just felt like God is preparing for something to draw us back to being us, being the children of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost. And, we, and that's what, they didn't preach it, but they had us speak in tongues all the time because the gift of the Holy Ghost isn't just the evidence. I mean, you have the Spirit of God, which is huge and great and wonderful, but it's the power in us. And they had us speak in tongues. My throat is so sore from talk, you know, praying so much. But, but that's the power, and that's the difference between us and those in the world. So we have that you know, the power within us. And just the whole thing was such a deep, rich thing, but that was the two takeaways. And one more thing, sorry, Brother Kay, is um, the, it, it goes, you know, sometimes people get confused what's the difference between us and other people. But he told an es uh, a story about Esther. And, um, you know, you heard that story many times, but he said it in a way, this man has such a depth that we, we never heard it this way before. The reason Esther could do what she do, did is because she had the relationship with the king she had. The reason we can do what we can do or don't do is because of the relationship we have with our king. So. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So I know our ladies are all fired up coming back from ladies' retreat. And I just want to tell you this. Men's retreat is coming up the end of the month. So all of those women that went to ladies' retreat and all of those ladies that think that they could have a better husband... Do not give him an elbow in the ribs right now, but encourage him to go to men's retreat this year. And uh, Brother Matucci, wave your hand, Brother Matucci. Brother Matucci will help you if you haven't gotten the information, um, but we need to get a bunch of men and go up to men's retreat this year. And I hope you'll do that, men, that we can have a great time up there. Praise God. All right, that was just another important announcement, but it is important. Exodus 19, I want to continue with this in preaching to you this morning. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 10, I'm skipping a little bit of what I prepared for the sake of time, but Exodus 19 and 10 says that furthermore the Lord said to Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon, see, he doesn't live in the mountains. He comes upon the mountain, Sinai. Now notice this 12th verse. And you will set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. For whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it is a beast or a man, it shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds long, then you will come up to the mount. Verse 12. I want you to think about this. 
Moses, I want you to set the boundaries. Now this puzzles me because it appears, and this is before Moses receives the law. The next chapter is gonna talk about the Ten Commandments and the law and the receiving of the plans for the tabernacle that he's gonna receive while he alone is on the mount with God. This is before that. Moses, set up boundaries around the base of this mountain called Sinai. And wherever you set the boundary, make everybody aware that if they touch it, much less cross it, that they will be killed. Moses, put yourself in Moses' position. Moses, where are you gonna set the boundary? Are you gonna set it where the mountain stops and the sand begins? Or are you gonna set it 100 meters from that point, further away? How far are you gonna set the boundaries? And put, again, put yourself in Moses' position. When he does finally decide where he's going to put that boundary, the people are gonna come to him and say, why'd you put the boundary here? Why did you put it so close to the mountain? That's too close. You should have moved it farther back. And other people will say, Moses, how come you put the border so far away from the mountain? He's going to be second-guessed. He's going to be told, uh, we don't know why you set the boundaries. And, 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 and they may not say it, but they're even going to question God as to letting a man... Set boundaries. Why don't you just clearly define it for us, God? He's actually putting Moses in a difficult position if you look at it from one perspective. But if you look at it from another perspective, maybe he's saying to, to Moses and to all of Israel, listen, this is my man. And I have told him that he's the one that's gonna set the boundaries for this nation. I am gonna speak through him and I am gonna work through him and I've given you a warning that if you don't heed his borders, you're gonna be killed. I'm gonna back his play. Now we're uncomfortable with that as human beings. We, we, we have a tendency to say, I. I I, no, no man is gonna tell me what to do. Because we all have this pride in us to some degree where nobody can tell us what to do. But Moses is put in a position where he's gotta set boundaries. I, I'm, I, I want you to know that God can use spiritual authority to set boundaries. And God can use parents to set boundaries in their home the same way. Say, well, we, we don't really believe in boundaries. We have, a, have an open relationship with our children and with our family. We just, you know, try and be a good, no, 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 no. We, we need spiritual authority to set boundaries. We need parents to set boundaries. And, and I know you're gonna, you're gonna rear back when I say this, even 
beyond the word of God. Now remember, when he gave this information to Moses, it was before the law came into existence. It wasn't after, it was before the law. You see, what this is really about is it's about protecting relationships. If you read into the next chapter now, the Ten Commandments are not all there is to the law. That's not all there is to the law. is much bigger than Ten Commandments. But these are the top ten. And if you look at the top ten, all of them have to do with relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with your fellow man or fellow woman. It's all about relationships. God's not just trying to show you that he's all powerful and I have a right and 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 I'm going to enforce my authority and show you who's boss. He's trying to protect relationships. Say, well, give us an example. All right, I'll give you an example. If a man and a woman are married and one of them becomes unfaithful, that that becomes adultery. It destroys the relationship of marriage. That's why God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. If you start lying to people, that destroys trust. I can't believe a word you say because you habitually lie to me. You're no longer trustworthy. See, it's all about relationships. And God can't make a rule and a law for every little encounter you're going to experience in life. So he gives you commandments and then he gives you principles. Principles that he expects you to live by. And some of those principles are in the word of God and some of them come through spiritual authority and the rest come through parenting. And all will be held accountable for setting boundaries, enforcing the rules, so that we can protect relationships. Can I get an amen? Now, this isn't always heated, it's not always well received. And I know that I'm I'm talking to the family of God here today, and sometimes. We don't do real well with what I've just talked about. So let me give you an example of of how we can get off track from not adhering to boundaries. Numbers chapter 12. Now, Moses' sister is Miriam and his brother is Aaron. And they got to talking one day. And they said, does the Lord indeed speak only to Moses? Hath he not spoken by us? Do you know what they're saying here? Who's he? I'm his brother. I'm his sister. God speaks to us. God uses us. Moses is the only one that God talks to. 
Matter of fact, I think that Moses has made some serious mistakes. And they're talking bad about him. And they feel that they have a right to do this. They have a right to talk bad about their brother. Well, he's my brother. No, no. Moses is more than your brother. He's your leader. He's the one that God speaks to face to face. He's the one through which God speaks and sets even boundaries beyond the law. Well, he's, you know, but look here, verse two, it says, and the Lord heard it. He heard their murmuring against their leader, their authority in their life. And even though he was their brother, he was angered by it. And the anger, verse nine, of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. He called them out. Moses, Miriam, Aaron, come out of the temple. Stand right here. I've heard what you've said against my servant. And I'm not happy about it. I speak to him face to face. And all of a sudden he just leaves. And when he leaves, notice what happens after his departure from his anger. He departed and verse 10 says, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. What did that represent? The presence of God. This is what murmuring and complaining can do. Murmuring and complaining can cause God to be angry and the cloud to depart from off of the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, well, let me stop here. If God speaks to Aaron and Miriam, and Miriam now has leprosy, then why doesn't Aaron intercede in prayer? Why doesn't Aaron say, well, you look, God, you listen to me and you talk to me, and so now I'm telling you that my sister needs to be delivered of her leprosy. He doesn't do that. He now recognizes that God is upset. He's angry. And his sister has leprosy. And the one in authority is not him. And it's certainly not the one who's now a leper. So Moses, oh, mighty leader. Oh, wise one. Be careful about people that flatter you too much or criticize you too much. You really aren't as great as you think you are. And you're really not as bad as they say you are. You're somewhere in the middle, which is right where God wants you. But help us, Moses. Miriam's gonna die of leprosy. And Moses, being the great leader that he is, doesn't say, well, guess you guys will learn your lesson this time, won't you? 
guess you'll stop talking bad about me. There's no mention of this whatsoever. Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not thy sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead to whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, he cried. He was emotionally charged. Healer now, O God, I beseech thee. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Our relationships need to be protected. Protected by the word of God. Protected by the man of God. Protected by the parents of children. We need these boundaries. Lest the presence of God comes off of our house. And leprosy invades in its place. Somebody say amen. Parents are responsible for some boundaries. Do you know that just as a pastor has to give an account for the members in his congregation, so the parents must give an account for their children? Not your grandchildren. That responsibility falls to them, to the parents. But you will give an account to God for the way that you raised your children. I heard a story some time ago about a family that it's not in our congregation, but in another congregation. The children had been raised up in the church, I mean from Sunday school, all the way through their teenage years, and now this boy ends up in, involved in drugs. He did it secretly, but eventually it, it became exposed and he's on drugs. The parents are terribly embarrassed. They don't have any idea what they can do to help their son. So they go to the pastor. Pastor, we need your help. Would you come over and speak with our son? It's the same situation that I just read to you about Moses, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. And so the pastor says, yes, I will. And he goes over to the house. The boy will not come out of his bedroom to speak to the pastor. He said, you go back and tell the pastor that I don't respect him. And therefore, I will not come down and hear what he has to say. And the Lord spoke to the pastor at that moment. And this is what he told the parents. He said, hear the word of the Lord. You have spoken against the pastor. You have degraded the saints in authority. And now your son, because of what you've done, has nobody to help him. We have to be extremely careful. Just because we're related as brothers and sisters in Christ does not mean we can be disrespectful toward authority or or toward one another. Because you will destroy. You eat the pastor for lunch when you need him. Your kids are going to say, I don't respect him. I've heard what my parents have had to say about him. How they dislike him. How they don't believe he has a right to say the things he says. You take that away. And again, relationships are being destroyed. 
when they need to be protected. They need to be protected. Parents, yes, we can quote Exodus 20 and 12 to our children and tell them, honor your father and mother that thy days may be long upon the land in which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. I don't know that Broderick would hear it or understand it right now, but he needs to be taught as he gets older to respect his parents and to respect his elders. Can I get an amen? Because we have to protect our relationships. Now parents are responsible for provision and protection of their children. Provision and protection. We understand the provision part pretty easy, but I don't know that we always understand the protection part. We think that the protection part is, well, if anybody would try and break into the house, dad will go get the gun and shoot the intruder. That's protection. No, protection is a lot more than defending people in your house. It's defending principles. It's making sure that the children know what is expected of them. It's making sure that the boundaries don't move. Moses set the boundaries, but he didn't come back later and move the boundary. He was careful about where he set it, and children want to know where the boundaries are. What is it that you expect of me? Because you can't correct if you're not teaching and establishing boundaries for children. They need it. Somebody say amen. This this is really important. It's very important that you get this. I think that, that too many times, if there's one danger I've seen, It's that parents want to be a buddy to their kids. That's what I would call moving too far to the left. And other people, they're just mean-spirited. I'm going to show you who's the boss, and you're going to live by these rules, and I look forward to beating you up every night, and that's too far to the right. But look, it's really quite simple. Broderick, these are the things we expect of you at this age, and as they get older, we also have to reestablish some other things. But they need to know. See, they don't need a buddy, they need a parent. They got buddies. And if, they're, and if you don't set the boundaries, their buddies will set the boundaries. And their buddies will set the boundaries much farther away from God than you would. You have to be selective about their friends. I remember growing up as a kid, there were some kids that my parents wouldn't allow me to hang out with. I remember this one guy, I'll just give you his name. His name was George. I liked him. Man, he was exciting. He could talk to girls and had all the girls around him all the time. And and, uh, he just had a lot of... A lot of pull with a lot of people, and I liked hanging out with him. But he, 
he'd oftentimes end up in trouble. And if you hang out with people that get in trouble, guess what's going to happen to you? Thank you. Now, my parents were very smart. So they came to me one day and they said, Rick, you're not allowed to go down to George's house anymore and you're not allowed to hang out with George anymore. Well, why not? Because you two are not good together. They didn't say George was the bad guy, that his parents weren't having any rules or restrictions on his life and didn't care where or when or who he was with at any time. They didn't say any of that. They just said, the two of you are not good together. So that when I went to George and told him that I couldn't hang out with him anymore, he couldn't tell his parents, well, you know those Kylies think they're too good for us. All he could say was that the Kylies think that the two of us are not good together. Now we haven't offended his family. They can think that I'm the problem. And I'm sure I contributed to it. But we weren't good together. How can two walk together except they be agreed? And how, how can Christians walk with non-Christians? I'm not saying that we're, we're not kind and we're not respectful and we don't reach out to people. But listen, I don't go to the bars on Saturday night. I've got a curfew, always had a curfew when I was being raised. I needed a curfew. My dad used to say nothing good happens after midnight. People get shot, arrested, hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong things. If you need the cloak of darkness, it's probably not a place you should be. I'm probably not going to be very popular today. But you know what? i got to be popular with God. That's the number one thing. That I'm doing what God wants me to do. And it should be the number one thing for you too. We're not running a popularity contest in the neighborhood. We're parents. We have a responsibility. I'm going to answer to God for my kids. That's the way you got to look at it. Protect them from those kinds of things and those kinds of people. So yes, we're responsible for provision and responsible for protection, but we are also responsible for direction and an example to our children. If I asked your children, hey, how often do you see your mom and dad reading their Bible in the morning or in the evening? What's the prayer life of your home? If I asked the children that, what would they say? What do they see? What do they observe as an example? Do you only pray when you're around other Christians? Or do you even go into a restaurant? You're not afraid. Here, take a hand. We're going to pray before we, we eat here. Well, wait, we're in a public place here. We... You know, some people might not like prayer. Well, some people are not eating with us. This is our family and this is our meal and this is what we do. We give thanks. If they don't like it, well, they can go somewhere else. 
Matter of fact, I've seen more of the opposite happen. People have come up to me and said, hey, I noticed you and your family were praying over your meal. Yes, sir. We're thankful. He said, well, I'm really glad to see it. Keep it up. You're, you're an example. You're an example in your home. You're an example in public places. You're an example of a Christian, the first example of a Christian that they'll see. And they need it. They need that, and they need it from you. Proverbs 22 and 6. Concerning direction, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Responsibility to train. We need to stay on the tracks, not be derailed by sin. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Trains are a laid out path, and we need to show our children that. Let me give you an exa- two examples of what, how Jesus felt about small children. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Then were brought unto him little children, so that he could put his hands on them and pray for them. That's what parents wanted. Jesus, this is my little child. Would you pray for my child? Not, and it's not only just because they're sick. It's because they wanted the blessing of God on their child. And the disciples said, well, take these kids away. Uh, this, is, this is adult time. But look at how Jesus answered that. He said, no, suffer the little children, forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Bring them all. I can see them sitting down putting them on his lap one at a time, laying his hand on on their head, praying with them, encouraging them. Children need encouragement and they need prayer and they don't always need a heavy hand, they need a loving hand. Put your hand right on them and pray for them. Lay hands on them before they go to bed at night. Somebody said amen. They need you to do that. That's what we're gonna do here today as the family of God. Matthew chapter 18, verse three. Verily I say unto thee, except you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest. Look at that. Here's these grown disciples arguing about who's the greatest disciple. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And he says, here's the greatest, a little child. Whosoever receives one little child in my name receives me. But here's the warning. Whosoever will offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it'd be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the sea. That's how he feels about little children. And I don't care if you're six months, six years, 66 or 96, you're still a little child in God's eyes. If God is eternal, what is 66 years? 
we need to act like little children in some regards. In malice, it says, be as children. Why? Because they'll forgive quick. And don't be afraid as a parent to admit you've made a mistake. No, I'm sorry. I handled that situation wrong. I raised my voice. I said something I shouldn't have said. Will you please forgive me? And you know, children are quick to forgive. Brother Dredska talked about his little puppy today in, in our family Bible study. I thought it was cute. He said, the little dog, whenever the dog knows it does wrong, it hides from me. He knows that there's a punishment coming. He said, the dog will even run and hide under the bed because he knows I'm, I'm too big to get under the bed anymore. But once it's over, it's over. And he'll lick my face and we're buddies again. Even a dog sometimes knows more than a human. Why not just stand up and say, you know what, I messed up and I accept my punishment, whatever it is, because I want to be restored and I want to be right with God and I want to be right with people and I can't afford anything less than that. I can't afford it. So, I've set you up for the grand finale. I said the title of this message was, Is My Life Rated PG? And I haven't said anything other than PG throughout the message. I remember growing up, I remember the first time I ever heard a swear word on television. It was in a movie called Gone with the Wind. And most of you are nodding your heads because you were thoroughly shocked at what that man said at the end of the movie. And that opened the door to swearing. Not only in movies, but eventually in TV. And it's very subtle the way that things get weaved and how they just begin to grow and blossom. And so eventually... TV and even movies decided we will have to rate movies because we're getting a lot of complaints about the content of movies. So they said all those shows that those old people used to watch, those little House on the Prairie stuff and all that, there was no swearing or any of the other stuff that would be offensive. We're going to call that G. That's going to be general. Now, if it gets, starts moving to the right and gets a little risque and there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, we better suggest that the parents watch with the children. So we're going to call that parental guidance. And if it gets worse than that, we're going to move it to 17 years of age and we're going to call that R for restricted and if we get to a point where anything goes, we're going to call that M for mature. What a sham. Mature? That's your word for anything goes? You, you insinuate that people that are mature should watch this? What does that say 
to the little children. I want to be mature, Daddy. I want to be treated like an adult. I want to watch M. I'm mature for my age. And so what I'm saying to you today is that everything needs to be rated PG that we watch, that we view, parental guidance. And now I'm going to, my last thought here for you today, I'm going to show you that it's not just you as parents that should set that boundary, but it should also be God and the church just as God used Moses. Watch this. In Acts chapter one and verse four, Jesus is speaking some of the final words before his ascension, and he says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them, didn't suggest it. Command, important that you see that word. He commanded them, you will not depart from Jerusalem Well, why won't we? Because you are to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. He's talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he commands them, do not leave until you receive the Holy Ghost. He begins, the the second chapter begins with, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. So they received the Holy Ghost. Peter goes on in the second chapter and he preaches the salvation message. When they're pricked in their hearts. And he tells them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then he ends the chapter. God ends the chapter this way. And the Lord added daily to the church, the church, such as should be saved. Stay in Jerusalem, receive the Holy Ghost, Obey the plan of salvation, be added to the church. And Galatians 4 and 26 says, Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother, the mother of us all. He's not talking about the city of Jerusalem. He's talking about the church's birth at Jerusalem, which they were commanded to wait for and to receive. So the church... The body of Christ is your mother now. The church becomes your mother. Well, don't we need a father? 2 Corinthians 6 and 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I'll dwell in them, they'll walk, I'll walk in them, I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. See this parenting here? Come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord, and touch not, wasn't that what was talked about concerning the borders at the beginning of this message? Touching? Touch not 
the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you will be my sons, you will be my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We have parents. The church becomes our mother. God is our father. And God is always looking out for us and out to protect us. So I'm saying that every one of us needs to live a life PG with parental guidance, protecting all relationships. Praise God. Somebody say amen. Amen. We have a short DVD we're going to take a look at now concerning Broderick and their parents.
May the light that's within you shine like the stars. May angels surround you, body, spirit, mind. May favor and peace be yours to find. May rejection and pain never reach you. May your spirit grow bold for what you're called to. As you rest in God's care, I will rest too, knowing that Jesus is watching over you. Amen. I love you, Mommy. That's great. Praise God. Thank you for putting that together. Jeremy and Amanda, if you'd like to bring Broderick up, we'll pray for him together. A few weeks ago, many of you probably don't know this, but we were very, very concerned about Broderick's health, but God has brought him through. And we are so, so thankful. Praise God. Amen. All right, parents, family members, if you'd like to gather around, we'll give you the first opportunity to get close. The rest of the congregation, if you'd stand, please. Praise God. This is a family thing, your family. So today, we're gonna pray for Jeremy and Amanda and Broderick, and uh, we want you to be a part of that. So if you'd like to gather in as close as you can, I know it's impossible for us to all get here, but get in as close as you can and join us in prayer. That would be greatly appreciated by Jeremy and Amanda and Broderick. Praise God. Let's start by praying for the parents. Jesus, what an awesome responsibility and a privilege it is to have a child. And we know, Lord, that there are difficult decisions, problems that may be ahead of us. But with God, all things are possible. You promised in your word that you would supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. So we trust you for provision. You said that you would never leave us nor forsake us, no, not to the end of the world. So we trust you for protection. We trust you with our lives and we pray that you will help us to be prayerful, godly examples, that you will hear our prayers for this family that you will watch over us and bless us and use us, each of us. Help us to be discreet in approaching you before becoming angry, frustrated. But come to you, Lord, and ask you to help us. Give us wisdom. Give us grace. Help us to realize that they're children and that they're learning and that we have been called on to mentor, train, and teach. Let the love of God be felt in this home and the presence of God rule over anything that would try and come against it. Bless and keep Jeremy and Amanda. 
and use them as examples and help them to keep this family on track. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for Broderick. Thank you for the healing that you've brought to his life and the blessing and favor that's on him right now. We pray, Lord, that you will protect and anoint him, that his ears will hear the word of the Lord, that his heart will be open to you, his mind will be attentive and acquire wisdom, Lord, from your word, from his parents, from the family of God, and most of all, from your spirit. Bless and keep him and guide him each step of his life. Help him to be the kind of young man that rushes to the altar to seek your face, your favor, your forgiveness, Lord. Help him to be tender toward the will of God as you reveal that to his life. Help him, Lord, to grow up and be exactly what you want him to be. And when he fails and when he falls, let him be strong enough to know that he can get back up and be loved by his parents and by his God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. offer him up to you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We're the family of God. Here we are at the altar together today. I think it would be appropriate if we pray for one another. If your family is around you, your children, pray for them. If you don't have any children, find a child to pray with if that's what the family of God is. Pray for some children today. And again, a very happy and blessed Mother's Day to all of our mothers. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.